0: Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Maria Batt, Director of Client Relations and Design for Shovel the Sidewalk. We're a marketing firm in Western New York. We utilize the power and persuasion of storytelling to build brands and create advertising for our small business clients. This podcast is all about storytelling, stories about inspiration, information, and education. Today, we're gonna be talking to an inspiring strong woman about storytelling and how she built a business on it. Um, Sarah Frandina is a North Tonawana native uh, and nice, a High School graduate like myself. And she's moved to the city of Boston with her husband, Pete, and cute teeny little daughter, Nora, who's just the smiliest little thing that I've ever seen. Sarah is a successful conversion copywriter. And what is that? She's going to explain what that is. Um, but she basically, like us, tells companies and other um, entrepreneurs' stories in a way that will generate leads. But She doesn't just write SEO. This isn't straight SEO. This is storytelling. Uh, I think it's really interesting what she has to say, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Maria. You're very welcome. So can
1: you first explain what conversion copywriting is? Yeah, great question. A question I get quite a bit, actually. Um, So when I'm talking about conversion copy, I'm talking about copywriting that inspires any sort of intentional action. So that's if you're looking to have somebody sign up for your email list, it's all the copy that's going to lead them to take that action. If you're looking for somebody to register for a webinar, same type of thing. Um, So it doesn't always have to be transactional. It doesn't always have to be somebody checking out on a product page or in, an, in a shopping cart. It can easily just be somebody taking that next step of what you want them to do to interact with you. So how
0: does, cause I think everybody, we're big on storytelling at, yeah. at Shovel and see the importance of getting somebody's message out through story as opposed to just kind of like boilerplate SEO. Um, how is what you do different from that and why is it maybe better or maybe it's not better? Maybe it's the same.
1: Yeah, well, so at the core of conversion copywriting and this is something that I talk about nonstop is um, empathy. And unless you can find those connection points with your audience, you're not going to be able to convert them, whatever that conversion looks like. So when we're talking about SEO, like straight up SEO, you have a lot of people that are just digging for keywords that people are searching for, and they're gonna stuff their keywords in their content, no matter what they're actually talking about or aiming for. With conversion copy, what I'm looking to do is find the pain points, find the hesitations, find the the dreams, the desires, the markers of success that people really want want to address and then bring that into the copy. Um, Storytelling is a huge part of that because what I do is I dig for the stories that really encapsulate what people are experiencing. So when I'm talking about pain points, I usually am asking the, the clients or the customers of my clients like, hey, what were you experiencing at the time that you, decide, you decided to hire this person or join this membership or buy this product? When people share what they were experiencing, they're sharing stories. Those are the stories that I'm gonna pull from to write the copy that's gonna meet the people where they're at to then encourage them to take that next best action.
0: I'm still muted. <laughs> um, so you are an entrepreneur. This is your own business. What were you doing before you took the brave leap
1: to just hanging it all out there and doing what you, you really wanted to do for yourself? Yeah. So it's been six and a half years now since I started this business. Um, I actually started it on November 4th in 2013, which then my daughter was born on November 4th in 2018. So I'm like, that's a really nice day. Um, but before that, um, I I did my MBA and worked in sports information. Um, So that was a lot of data gathering and then writing about any athletic events. So I did that at RIT in my undergrad and then at St. John Fisher where I did my MBA. From there, I went into a bunch of different marketing roles. So my first full-time job out of my MBA was with an e-learning company. Um, So I was on the marketing team there, but we got bought out after eight weeks after I started. So I lost that job pretty quickly, unfortunately. Um, And then my next kind of long-term gig, I worked in travel and tourism for two and a half years. So also doing some marketing there. And it was in that role where um, I worked for Ontario County Tourism. So we covered the Finger Lakes region, mostly Canandaigua, Naples, that area. And I worked with a lot of the small business owners in the area, the wineries, the hotels, the restaurant owners, the chocolate shops, all the little, um, the little, from the little to the big businesses. And one of the struggles that a lot of them were facing was, how do I get my story out there? How do I connect with my audience? What do I do to prioritize in marketing? Um, So I found myself hosting some lunch and learns and then helping those business owners on the side, um, unpaid and just kind of finding my bearings. And then when I realized that freelancing was a thing, I was like, why am I not just doing this for myself? So um, it was about six months after I was really kind of working with some of the small business owners on the side that I decided, hey, why not give this a go? And that's what sparked that November 4th launch date of my business.
0: It can be very scary to go out on your own because you're used to getting, you know, a paycheck biweekly or however often you get paid and it's nice and, you know, you can you can go to work the other day, but what was the straw that finally broke your back that made you decide to, to jump ship?
1: So I had that six month lead time of figuring out, okay, these are the types of people I like to work with. This is the work I can do. And even though I wasn't getting paid during that time, I saw the potential of what I could be doing. So during that time, I also brought on a business coach. Um, I had a few consultations with business coaches for free. And then I decided to work with a business coach once I started my business. Um, And I put some foundational pieces in place that gave me the confidence and that's what I needed. And then knowing that I could do this for six months, knowing I had some savings built up that could sustain me for six months. Um, I could do it for six months and then I could look for a job, you know, a traditional nine to five job if I needed to. Um, So it was the confidence and then building the support system once I did launch my business. And that was in finding the right communities and in hiring that business coach. How
0: important is that when you are in business by yourself, you don't have employees that work in your apartment with you or anything like that? How important is it to find some kind of community of other people that are
1: doing what you're doing or have been doing what you've been doing for a while? Did, Did that help? Absolutely. I think it, it can be incredibly isolating to run your own business, even if you are working with clients or you have customers, um, because you are the person that's making all of the decisions. You're the person that's responsible for bringing that next lead in and then making sure that that person is taken care of as your client or your customer. So even if you're not hiring, which I do, I do outsource quite a bit in my business now. And I did that from the beginning as I could. Um, it's still important, though, to have community, community around different things. So I right now I have a community of copywriters that I can turn to who know the copywriting business really well. And even though we're building separate businesses that have different specialties, we get it. Like we've worked with the same types of clients and we really know that. And then for a while I've been part of different other communities that had different focuses. Um, so I think it's, it's really important that you have outlets, especially people that understand what you're doing, not just in the online digital world, but then in your niche, your niche, however you want to refer to it. Um, and then when you can get that one-to-one support through any sort of business coaching or even a group coaching program that can really help you take it to the next level.
0: I think um, you don't see, maybe it's different now, but you don't see as many women that are striking out on their own. Um, why Why do you think that is? Is it they're not, we're not taught in school that this is something that we can do? Do women put too many um, weights on top of their shoulders so it feels like it's impossible to get out from underneath them so it's easier just to stay where they are?
1: That's a really great question. So I think it really depends on who we're looking at and where where they are. But I think to to be honest, until I started those lunch and learns and working with some of the small business owners in the Finger Lakes region, I didn't even know freelancing was a thing. I had done an MBA and we never talked about online business. We didn't talk about freelancing. Um, you know, there was the idea of entrepreneurship, but that meant raising seed funding and getting into incubators. And it was a totally different sort of business building than I thought of when I thought of freelancing. Once that seed was planted in me, it became really clear like, hey, this is a thing anybody can do really from anywhere, as long as you have an internet connection. Um, why I think women typically get a little bit more tripped up. And I do, ha- I, I do think the, I'm really curious actually what the percentage of male versus female in the solopreneurship world is. That would be a really interesting thing to find out. But I think what probably holds women back the most can be a few different things. It can be family. So we often are the primary caretakers in our families. So when women have babies, um, we do become the, the kind of default parent, if you will, in many cases. And I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs working to change that a bit. Um, but that can really actually stimmy some of, uh, you know, not women's, just their careers, but their aspirations in terms of their online business or their freelancing or their solo ventures as well. Um, but it's also the impetus for a lot of, of a lot of women starting businesses that I've met. Um, you know, they did find that they didn't, weren't getting the support that they needed in their employment. Um, so they started a business on their own so they could have that flexibility and freedom. Another reason would be, um, you know, the confidence, um, I think we hold ourselves to higher standards just on our own, and we're taught to do that from a young age. Um, so there's certain things where, you know, I have seen this even in the copywriting world where um, a male, a white male copywriter will just unapologetically land projects, charge double what I might have charged from the beginning with with no no question about it. Um, I think we probably have certain things that we grow up with believing or um, limiting beliefs in terms of money and what we're worth and what we can deliver that we we have to get past as women. What do you think about the quarantine? Do you think
0: this is going to put out of necessity, maybe push some people to try to strike out on their own and
1: be solopreneurs? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think, um, you know, it's it's so tough to tell, but One thing I can tell you is that my business hasn't shifted much at all since COVID and quarantine. Um, And I'm so I'm incredibly grateful to be in the position that I'm in. And I've seen that with a lot of my fellow online business owners. Um, So I do think it's going to open people's eyes to, you know, maybe the traditional workplace isn't the most um, reliable thing that I thought it was. I think it's also going to change traditional workplaces, seeing that so many people can work remotely and do it efficiently. Um, So, it will be really interesting to see what that leads to. We have always
0: stayed local, thinking, you know, we want to stay in Western New York. We want to be able to bond with our clients because if you're going to build somebody's brand, you're going to learn, you have to develop a a relationship with them and really understand what it is that um, their passion is and, and why they're doing what they're doing. How do you bond with your clients
1: so that you can tell their story from far away? Yeah, that's a great question um, because I do think there's a lot of value in that face-to-face and being local and having that community aspect. Um, what I, so none of my client relationships are less than usually a month to two months. Um, projects have that spam and all of my projects include about 60 to 70% of the process is research. So that's where I'm getting in and I am talking to my clients' customers, I'm talking to their clients, anybody that they worked with in the past. I really dig into that and that's kind of the voice of customer side and then I'm also doing the same with my client. So I'm having that kickoff call, I send them a pretty I send them some homework to do before we get started so that I'm really making sure I'm seeing the business From their viewpoint and then from their customers viewpoint as well so by the time almost every piece of feedback i've gotten from a client is that i know their voice better than they do or i can tell their story better than they can because it's it's weeks and then eventually usually months of really stepping into their shoes i we
0: hear a lot from clients like well we have to have an seo strategy what's our seo strategy and it's it's important to a a point however People don't speak in SEO it's, it's clunky right you know do you incorporate SEO or how do you how do you explain to your clients how important telling their story is and not just relying on um, these digital analytics that you can get from the, from SEO
1: yeah so I think um, most of my clients come to me knowing how important it is that they are bringing some sort of story element or empathy to their brand and their message. They just don't know how to get that. So um, they might know that heating and cooling is the best keyword to go after. But what we're looking for is, so what are their clients actually talking about at that time when they decide they need that specialist? Um, So one of my, one of my um, clients is a health coach and she specifically works on gut health. So it wasn't just enough to say like, she's going to be the person that you go to when you're looking to change your microbiome or when you're worried about your gut health. Like those might be the keywords, but what were people actually experiencing? before they started to look for those things, those were the stories that we we were after and those are the connection points that she can make. So when she writes content, she can write it about the fact that they are feeling fatigue or they're waking up three times a night and can't figure out why, or they know that they want to change their diet but they're not sure what that looks like. We can go after the specific things that they're experiencing in their life. And oftentimes that's gonna translate to the, the phrases that people are searching for. So I think it comes back full circle
0: you kind of come from a family of readers and and writers so your mom's in my book club i love her mother she's one (laughs) of my favorite women i'm so happy that my mom is is best friends with your mom um but she's in our book club and she reads and i'm assuming that that was like ingrained in the fabric of your upbringing and your brother is a writer was this did she start all of this
1: for you guys I think from a young age, books were just a big, big, big part of our lives. And so my brother is five years older than me. So when I was born, he could already read. And I think he spent a lot of time reading to me. Um, And he was also a huge comic book fanatic. So he was always surrounded by comic books. But we were both the type where before we turn on the TV, we would get out a book. And I don't know if that's something because my mom didn't want us to turn the TV on or if we just chose not to because she was always reading as well. So as a mom's reading, what we're going to read? your book? Where's your book? Um, so I think it just became, I don't think, I think my brother always knew he was going to be a writer. I didn't always know I was going to be a writer. And he's now a published author. And I went kind of down a different path um, with, with conversion copywriting. But it is interesting to see that we've all kind of evolved from that love of reading. And when anybody ever asks me how to become a better writer, my first thing I always say is read, read more. No, absolutely. It,
0: it is. It's, and I didn't think of it until now that, yeah, you guys both have component to your, to your um, job. That's writing. His whole thing is writing, but you both also struck out on your own. Um, I mean, I can't imagine the bravery that it took Lou to decide no, I'm I'm going to stay home and I'm going to write. I am hanging my hat on this and I am making this my,
1: my life that I, I that has to be scary. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And he's done a really good job of, I mean, the amount of writing he gets done is incredible. With two young kids at home as well, <laughs> who are also adorable.
0: And if if anybody's <laughs> interested, it's uh, he has a series called the The Signs of Portents. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yep. So you can get it on Amazon. And I heard he's also doing an audio book too, which is yeah, yeah. So fine. The, series call- the
1: series is called the series is called the Graystone series. But the the first book is Signs of Portents, and the audio book is actually just released.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, do you think you would ever do? just fun writing on
1: your own or do you do already? So it's funny. um, People ask me often like what the difference between conversion copywriting and creative writing is. And I think you can probably get an answer of that from when you first asked me what conversion copywriting is. But um, I would tell, I would be the first person to tell you I'm not creative. And actually my mom would tell you that too. She would say she's not creative. Um, So I don't know if I just grew up with that ingrained in me where I'm, uh, I think we're both like, where does Luke come up with all these ideas? But, Um, I think for me, it's, it's, I have some creative outlets. I journal a lot, but it's not really creative writing. I don't, I don't see myself writing fiction unless it's children's books, which I'm constantly making up in my head for my daughter. But, um, I think it's, it's two very different skill sets, what my brother and
0: I do. So you also, you had another business that you owned in conjunction with a a partner of yours, whom you also live quite a bit away from, um, and you were coaching women who were becoming solopreneurs. What, um, why did you fall into that? Was it from the finding, looking for a community when you were doing this yourself? Um, why was this an important path for you to take?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly what it was. Um, In those first few months before I actually started my business full-time, Christina, who I ended up going into partnership with, and we ran One Woman Shop for five years, um, she was getting kind of the basis of that community going. And I had a one-to-one call with her. She, at the time, was branding herself actually as a career coach. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, So I had like a 30-minute call with her. She just had some good ideas. And then we kept in touch after that. So it was about, um, it was May of 2014. So it was about six months after I started my business. Uh, she reconnected with a survey because she was going to start a community for female-led solo businesses. And um, and I filled out that survey. And then I basically just said, All right, hey, if there's anything I can help with, let me know. And we had a call a couple weeks later. And I came on as an official partner in August. So the business had launched in July of 2014. I came on in August 2014 because she was about to head out to um, Latin America to travel around for three months, which turned into, I think, three years. Uh, So so she wanted that support. And it really came out of I knew I wanted that community, and I didn't want to create it for myself. So I found the person that was already creating it, and then I joined and helped her grow it. And we did that for five years until we sold it actually last summer. And you passed the torch on
0: to another two women that are running it for you. What – um. For anybody who's sitting at home and thinking about starting their own business what what's something that you can that you can tell them maybe something that your clients that asked you a lot um kind of in those beginning stages that you can maybe inspire somebody to take the plunge
1: so i think the first thing is to find community there's so many different communities out there of people who are already doing this um and that's where you can learn a lot just by even being an observer Um, but the second thing is to, to really find, to find that intersection of what people actually need and what you want to do is really important, but you're not just going to be able to sit at a desk and figure that out on your own by thinking about it, which is something I love to do is just sit and think, (laughs) but that doesn't always bring you to the answer. So get out there and try different things. In the first couple months of my business, I wrote so many different forms of copy. I don't even think some of it could be considered copy. Um, but I just wanted to 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 try out a bunch of different things. I worked with clients all over the board. It didn't matter what their industry was. Um, And in fact, it took me about three or four years to really hone in on specialties in terms of both what I write and who I work with. So it's been a learning process the entire time. So knowing that you don't have to have everything figured out right out of the gate would be the biggest thing because that can be a huge stumbling block, especially if you're a perfectionist or an overthinker. done is better than perfect and putting yourself out there is going to give you way more learning experiences than kind of hiding behind the curtain. Thanks for
0: sharing your story and for yeah. talking. It was just nice to see you. You too, you too. <laughs> Honestly, so um, thank you very much and
1: uh, hopefully we'll see you again if you if we ever get out of this right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I miss Buffalo. I really do.
0: (laughs) If you or someone you know has a story that needs to be shared, visit our website shovelthesidewalk.com and fill out a form on the sidewalk talk page. We'll be in touch with you to set that interview up and, and see what we can do about telling your story. You can also check out all of the Sidewalk Talk podcasts on that website or whatever platform that you stream your podcasts at. If you are interested in researching Sarah or working with her, hop on her website at Sarafrandina.com. Or you can even search for her brother and check out one of his books um, on Amazon. His name is Lou Padawano, and the first book in the series is The Science of Cortense I think it's always important to give our local writers a good um, plug. So thank you, everybody, for joining us, and this has been Sidewalk Talk.